Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So that's what we're about. Save more, spend less, don't get ripped off. And so my job is to help you do just those things with advice, guidance, information, and answers to your questions. And there are times you're listening into our radio show or our podcast and you're like, Clark, are you out of your mind? Or why didn't you say this? Or you're completely wrong on that. And you're saying that to yourself. I need to know that. I don't need you to go away quietly disappointed. So that's why on Clark.com, you can go to Clark Stinks and post where you feel I need some constructive criticism. And I take it just as that because this is a show where we all learn together. So once a week, our producer Krista goes through the posts on Clark Stinks that you can check them all out, by the way, at Clark.com and shares highlights with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. Let's start with this one. On July 5th, Team Clark posted an article, Does Paying Off Your Mortgage Make Sense Under the New Tax Law? The whole article was about how you should pay off your mortgage since most Americans will not have the benefit of itemizing on taxes due to the increased standard deduction. At the end of the article, there was even a short segment where Clark talked about the new tax law on mortgages. Clark in the article did not say the same thing. I think the article went against what Clark has said for years, save for an emergency in retirement before paying off a low-rate mortgage, which is what the audio clip reiterated. Additionally, why would you pay off your mortgage early just because you cannot deduct the interest? Yes, there might be a few people who can still itemize and are already saving well for emergency and retirement, but that's not most people. This is irresponsible on behalf of Team Clark, as most people are going to read this and proceed to prepay or pay off their mortgage over saving and investing. I think that whole team needs some Clark summer school. Oh, man, tough on Team Clark. So uh, let me first deal with the nuance of this. People have built into their brains over the decades that you want to buy as much house as you can, take on as much mortgage debt as you can, and that you want to reach on that house and carry that debt. Mortgage debt is not good debt. It may be the least bad of debts. And if you are hitting those check marks, just as you heard me, saw me in the video, It is absolutely a first priority to save the maximum you're allowed to under the law for retirement through whatever retirement vehicles you have available. You got a 401k, got a 403b, well, 403b is a little iffy, Uh, have a TSP, Roth IRA, doing these things and maxing them out, great, because it gives you the flexibility, you have the money, having a rainy day account is great. If you've done all those things, Canning the mortgage is wonderful, but canning the mortgage but not having saved money makes you house rich, cash poor. So I'd say both are true, and I would not say that Team Clark did something wrong in how they explained how I feel about mortgages. And the reality is very few people will have any benefit from the mortgage interest deduction 
anymore. Clark, I generally love your advice, and it's usually spot on, but I cringe every time you tell people to limit their bids on Priceline and Hotwire to four-star or higher. I understand and agree with your concern about these sites overrating their hotels, but telling people to limit their choices to the higher cost is not the solution. This is like telling someone who's buying a new car to choose a car based on the dealer's ratings, though be sure to choose a more expensive model since we know the dealer will overrate the cheaper ones. On a recent show, I did hear you mention that people should check the customer reviews, which is good advice, but you still told people to limit their bids to four-star or higher on, on Hotwire or eight or higher on Priceline. Oh, the eight or higher, let me explain that. The eight or higher is uh, the rating from people who've stayed at a hotel regardless of the star level, and if I neglected to say so, I'd do Priceline three and a half stars or higher Hotwire four stars or higher because my experience with Hotwire is they inflate the star ratings more. So they say instead you should limit your bids to 90% or higher on Hotwire or eight or higher on Priceline. And then for almost a year, I stayed in the San Diego area on a weekly basis for business. I most use mostly Priceline and mostly three-star hotels. The three, three stars of hotels, hotels I stayed at included a Courtyard Bar Marriott, Marriott a Double Tree Golf Resort, and a Hilton Garden Inn. All had A-plus ratings and all were fantastic. In the past, I've even stayed at two-and-a-half-star hotels with high customer ratings. Um, These include chains like La Quinta, Hampton Inn, Holiday Inn Express, and Springfield Suites. Yes, the brand doesn't guarantee quality, but if the customers give the top ratings, they are usually fantastic values. That is very good advice, and uh, I'm a little strident there when I talk about the star rating And if you dig further and you have the experience and expertise at using Priceline that you referred to, you can go lower in stars. I've had to go lower in communities where I haven't been able to find a deal otherwise. I just stayed in a three-star hotel that I paid $51 for, and I did just as our poster said. I stayed in one that had a rating on Priceline of eight or above from fellow travelers, and it turned out to be a great hotel. September credit freeze clarification. On a recent podcast, I heard you say wait to freeze a spouse's credit until they're free in September. The criminals may also be looking to hammer everyone they can before the freezes are free, knowing that people won't do it until it's free. Shouldn't the best advice be to freeze your credit now to protect yourself the best way possible, even if there's a small fee? So this is where cheap Clark and practical Clark go into conflict and so I froze my credit and paid to do it and I think it's really valuable to freeze credit unfortunately very few Americans have actually taken those steps and having it free in September is something that I think will encourage more people to do it than have done so to this point if you're not worried by the uh, typically 3 to $10 to freeze each credit file. The poster is 100% right. You should go ahead and do it now. Acorn's debit card. I think the last time wait, I... Wait, was, I just need to say something. That's two people in a row I said were 100% right. That's right. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Learning from each other. Acorn's debit card. I think the last time I listened to Clark, he was talking about the Acorn's debit card and sounded like he didn't get his info correct. I don't think I heard him say in order to get it, you have to upgrade from $1 per month 
to $3 per month, and this will add on the Acorns retirement and where you can use it as a checking account. I didn't sign up for the Acorns debit card because of that. Yes, I'm, if I failed to mention, I am aware of that, that you have to, being like uh, the equivalent of an Acorns premium customer in order to use all the other services. Acorns, if you're not aware, is a great way for you to uh, basically put aside spare change if you historically have had trouble getting in the habit of saving acorns and its competitors help you get that done and get you on a path of saving and investing for your future clark you were great but now stink really you don't stink chime changes anything from young to old good to bad etc long time ago a mortgage company called ing direct showed up on your recommended list i was one of your listeners and got and that got an ARM mortgage from them. They are truly great. No company can match them even now. However, the story ends. ING Direct was sold to Capital One, and you mentioned on your show that there would not be much change, but it, there was. Today, I received an end-of-service notice. My mortgage, along with all others, was sold to another company. I am so sorry. ING Direct was such an innovator, such a pioneer. They were the ones, based in Philadelphia, if I remember, they were the ones that changed banking in the United States and created all the choices and uh, that we now have for online banking where you can use an online-only bank. And they were sold by order of banking authorities in Europe. They had to put themselves up for sale in the United States were sold to Capital One 360, and we got no complaints at all about the transition for a good while, and then have had only scattered ones since, so I'll add you to the scattered list. On the podcast, a caller talked about how a man blacked out and hit her mailbox with his car. A policeman then wanted the woman to come down to the station to file a complaint against the man. Clark doesn't stink, however, I wish to offer a different perspective. If this was a one-time issue, then I agree with Clark that no complaint need be issued. However, I think the woman should go down to the station and at least talk with the officer. What if this was the fourth time this happened or if alcohol or drugs were involved? In that case, the act of the woman filing the complaint could be the final item needed to remove an unsafe driver from the road, possibly preventing a child from being run down instead of a mailbox the next time. Thanks for all you and your team do. Mike in Trinidad, California. And Mike, you are not the only person who expressed a similar opinion that I was looking at it uh, too much in isolation and that it may have been part of a pattern. And so I appreciate your perspective and that of others who have shared a similar opinion. Recently, Clark talked about the millionaire next door patterns. He mentioned not carrying debt forever, which is very dishonest. He frequently mentions his credit score. How does he have a credit score if he's not using debt? Sure, he might pay off the credit card right away, but still, he has debt, even if briefly. Uh, if I get a cavity, a cavity every month, but it gets fixed right away, I can't say. Can I say that I haven't had cavities forever? Well, first of all, if you want to see a mouthful of cavities, I'll just open my mouth wide and, oh man. But your point is interesting but I'd say that the people in America, which is a significant portion of people who use credit cards as a payment system 
and that is a borrowing system, are not using debt. They are using credit, which may sound like I'm, I'm um, really playing games with words, but when you use credit cards the right way, only as a payment system, it allows you to keep and maintain a great credit score, and you're able to buy things interest-free. You get a little bit of float, which isn't worth much, but I wouldn't say that makes me a debtor or a borrower. I don't even know the right term for it, other than it is a payment system for me. I appreciate all your posts. Please let me hear from you. If you go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and help me improve the service that we are here to provide for you. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hey, how are you, sir? Great. Thank you, David. I understand you are buying a franchise business. I am, yes. What kind of field is it going to be in? Fitness. Interesting. And what kind of cost do you have for the franchise fee itself and then for all the startup costs? Mm -hmm. So um, after speaking with uh, one of the advisors, um, the, fee it's, uh, the fee itself is about 20000 and um, the recommendations for cost of living in our area, rent, stuff like that, would be about 85000 for the first year. And how much of this hundred grand do you have that you can generate from money you've saved, money you have? So for us, it's going to be almost entirely financing. We have a little bit of student loan stuff that we've been paying off. Um, so the money for that will not come necessarily from, you know, personal monies. All right. Well, let me lay some things out to you. You know that anytime somebody buys a franchise, the number one source of funds for it is from family members, secondarily friends. Mm-hmm. What's that well look like for you, those two wells? So we have a uh, potential investor from a business partner that I'll be going in with, so he'll be helping me with a little bit of the money. Um, we're still fairly early in the discussion process, so as far as total investment on that, we haven't come up with anything yet. Okay, because uh, when, when you're doing a startup, banks just really have no interest in you at all. There are mm-hmm. now, a, there's a really wide network of lenders that are non-bank lenders that will lend to small businesses, but the that's the good news. The bad news is the interest rates charged tend to be extremely high, like even in the range of 40 to 50% interest. Mm-hmm. And so if you borrow money at a very high double-digit rate, it, it means you're chasing your tail all the time just trying to service the debt and not able to really work on uh, growing your business. So, Absolutely. So you really need to think about where the money's going to come from. Even if you had to give up some percent of ownership, mm-hmm. getting money from family and friends and acquaintances is really where your efforts should be concentrated rather than the idea of borrowing. And there's always been a disclosure problem with small business loans because small business lenders are not required to give you the Truth in Lending Act disclosures 
that you're required to give somebody for an individual loan to a person. So that's why you've got to see actual disclosure documents and not sign loan documents based on what somebody tells you. You've got to actually read through them in a detail that is mind-numbing. When you are borrowing money for a startup business, know that there are going to be a lot of snakes in the grass and you are going to be best served asking the uncomfortable questions of family and friends and others to back you even if you're borrowing from them and you're paying interest to them rather than attempting to borrow from these small business lenders because at startup it's not going to be pretty borrowing from them it's my pleasure to welcome you to the clark howard show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours i want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off on social media you may have seen a lot of arguing about a story that first appeared in the detroit free press about how all these key fobs we carry now to get in and out of cars and operate cars you know a lot of cars push to start electric cars may or may not even have that you may just like tesla you just sit in the car and it's you put it in drive and go it recognizes the key with you well criminals they like to spoil all the fun have figured out very easily how to steal the signal from your key fob duplicate it and steal your car now car theft is something that had really not become as significant when automakers went to the fobs and now the fobs themselves are proving to be a highly vulnerable thing the reporter uh great name last name howard phoebe howard no relation did tests where she tested any of a variety of things to wrap your key fob in and most materials like things that you would do to protect your rfid credit cards and stuff the wallets that are rfid protective that that stuff did not protect a key fob that one of the things she showed was simple aluminum foil would protect your key from giving a signal that a criminal could pick up criminals are now able to duplicate your key fob grabbing the signal from outside your house they're able to grab it or while you're at work or you check into a hotel and they surreptitiously follow your movements all the way to your room steal the signal to your rental car or it could be your own car if you drove to wherever you're staying you get up the next morning you go to get in your vehicle and it is gone gone so is all the rumors about this spread and all the disagreements the reality is just like happened with the wallets there will be uh, enterprising sorts that will put out covers for fobs that will protect the signal from them and using aluminum foil 
is only for the completely paranoid. Now, the other thing, riding to the rescue with the signal being given off by the key fobs, is more and more vehicles, starting really this fall, you'll start to see this more frequently, where your vehicle will always be connected to the Internet. Small number of models are now. Uh, the Tesla brand I mentioned earlier, all Teslas, are always connected to the Internet. You always know exactly where it is. Uh, owner has access on the app on their smartphone. Tesla Motors can pull up the exact location, speed, direction, everything about any vehicle. And other automakers are following in Tesla's footsteps. And this will mean that you will not be able to get away with the stolen car unobserved. You will be tracked. You will very easily be able to be potentially captured. So this is a transitional problem with the key fobs. And just know that this is a problem that exists and very easily a criminal can intercept that signal. I'm not going to go more into how they do it. I don't need to help people know how to commit a crime. Sammy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? Hi. Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Sammy, you want to plan out an exotic retirement, or at least have one. <laughs> I came to the States like 10 years ago, and I feel that I started late. So at the time I started, I was 36. I want to see what's the best way to have a good retirement where I can also potentially help my son in college. That is always the dilemma. So you're 46 now? No, when I started the, uh, planning for the retirement, I was 36. Oh, okay. I'm 43 now. 43. I came to the States 10 years ago, yeah. Okay. And how old is your son? He's eight. Ah, so you got a, a decade till the tuition bills start rolling in. Right. Okay, so I'm going to say something that sounds terrible. And I've never met your son, but he's not going to like me at all. <laughs> but your first responsibility is to do all the tax advantage savings you can do for your own retirement. That's got to come first. Because the reason that's the priority is there are so many different alternatives about how somebody gets through college, how they pay for it, what they borrow, what's been saved, all that, where there's nothing like that for retirement. What you live on in retirement is what you have managed to save over the years. So that's why even if it meant 10 years from now, if you're really working hard on saving for retirement, that your son's left with no money saved for college, the college has got to be in second place. Gotcha. Now, um, in terms of, I, I hear, um, or I listen to your show a lot, and I hear you sometimes telling folks that they are late on saving and not they are not saving enough. And that kind of scares me a lot. I mean, those folks you're talking to, they were born here. So I start late. Now, well, except, um, except, wait, wait, wait. You told me you started when you were 36 saving money, right? Correct. Do you, when and I so the, wait, wait. 401k. 
You got to hear this. So you, having immigrated to the United States, started earlier than most Americans born here start saving for retirement. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> most people don't really think about it and get in gear on that till they're after their 40th birthday. So you jumped oh, the gun okay. four years on the average native born. So you're doing great. Give yourself okay, some so credit. So in the 401k you have, what percent of your pay do you put in it? Um, 8% and the company I work for, they match 100% of the 6%. So you're saving the equivalent of 14% right now. Uh, correct. Plus I contribute for Ross as well, because that's an option. I put there 4%. Oh, so you're effectively saving 18% of your pay. Correct. That's fantastic. Okay, so I'd like you, just to keep it simple, boost it to uh, take that Roth up to 6%. Okay. And then after that, then it's great for you to open a 529 plan and start saving for your eight-year-old's college. I already did that a couple of years ago. It's just the problem is now um, with all taxes taken and responsibilities, mortgage and all that, it's, we were kind of behind of putting some, some uh, funds in there in the 529. That's okay. Because, again, that is your second priority in terms of saving. Because when your son goes to college... Maybe it means he has to go to a state school. Right. Maybe it means he spends his first two years at a, a local community college or a college, a four-year school that's, you know, that he can live at home and, and drive to or take public transit to. Right, right, which is an option. We have very good community college that he can start off there. So I don't... Get in the case of the guilt. So I hear some guilt in you, in your voice. It's not guilt. It just he's my only son. I'm trying to, at the age where I'm at now, I'm trying to not. I, I'm not going to give him a gift to go to college for free. I'm going to have him work for it, contribute for himself, and help him without him knowing that. It just I'm trying to be ready, like prepare myself for that. Like whenever he needs me, I will be there. Well, you are a phenomenal person and obviously a very loving, caring, great dad. And Thank so you. the the 529 with the 10 years you've got till college, whenever you can afford to put money in it, put it in that. Because okay. that is the most effective vehicle because the money grows tax-free and it's spent tax-free. And depending on your state, there may even be a t state tax deduction or credit for making the contributions each year up to a certain amount of money. Gotcha. Um, if you don't mind, may I ask one more question? Go right ahead. Um, I heard you saying about finance advisors and planners, and part of my compensation there is stock market. And um, I heard horrible stories about people, they put all their retirement saving with, uh, finance advisors in order to have better retirement and probably fixed income, but they lost everything. Now, what is your recommendation of finding trusted, and it's kind of hard combination, money and the trust to be together, but right. like as good as possible place where 
I can start off. Well, you may not at this point need that because your most of your money is spoken for. You're doing the smart things already with what you're doing in the traditional 401k and the Roth 401k, the big employer match. Uh, you're doing everything as you should. But if you want a checkup, you want to talk to a financial expert and get a checkup, I can recommend Garrett Planning Network. Garrett, like G-A-R-R-E-T? E-T-T, yeah. Garrett Planning Network. I've got a link to them and NAPFA on my website, National Association Personal Financial Advisors. But in your case, uh, using a Garrett person just to give you a checkup, talk through your goals and what you're trying to do. They just charge an hourly fee for it. They don't push any investments. And so that would be what I would do next if you do want to have your temperature taken on how you're doing overall with your money. And best to you and your son. Andy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Andy, we were just talking about 529 plans, and you want to talk about those, huh? I do, I do. I've, I've got a, a new child coming along in September. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. And, uh, and I've got three already. Uh, they're 7, 5, and 3. And um, due to my, my parents listening to you for years and me growing up listening to you for years, we opened 529s immediately as we got Social Security numbers for them uh, right after they were born. And so uh, wow. those are doing well. And, uh, and, and my question really is, with this fourth child, um, considering that 529s are transferable and that the, the ones that I have already are growing so fast, it, should I be looking at a different option to to fund college for that fourth child so that I'm, I'm not stuck with a large 529 balance and having to pay uh, you know, whatever kind of fees and, and other tax penalties there would be once my kids are all done with school? What a great question. Uh, uh, this is an impossible crystal ball, but is the fourth child going to be your last or could you be uh, uh, having more kids over the years to come? Right now, we're planning on it being the last, but we're still open to adoption potentially. So you, we never. Aw, that's fantastic. Okay, so since you already have for the seven-year-old, five-year-old, and three-year-old five twenty-nine plans, you can leave your soon-to-be-born child out of the equation. Okay. And since you have the ability to move money among the children, tax and penalty-free. If one of the older kids doesn't need all their money or scholarships out or whatever, then you've got the ability to pay for the youngest to go to school. And you eliminate the fear of the whole question of what happens if you end up with extra money left over for college. And I should tell you, that's a fear, Andy, most parents wish they had, was having too much money saved for college. Oh, I know. But that is a great strategy when you have multiple children in a household is you front load money to the older ones knowing you can move that money down to the younger ones and that normally works out as the best strategy. And congratulations to you on your latest. It's time for Ask Clark. That's how you post a question for me at clark.com and then producer Joel 
ask your question for you. Clark Derrick wrote in. He says, first, thanks for all you do, Clark. Uh, and then he says, I've Certainly. got a question about Mint Mobile. They advertise $15 a month cell phone plans. I was thinking about giving them a try. Have you heard anything? I've not heard a single complaint about Mint Mobile, and they are part of a marketplace that is ultra inexpensive for cell phone service. This is for um, people that are moderately moderately light users of data. You pay $15 a month. You pay three months in advance, if I remember right, for Mint Mobile. And this is an area that is hot right now in the cell phone market. There's also Unreal Mobile that is $10 or $15 a month paid monthly. The thing with these is with Met Mobile, you get unlimited talk, unlimited text, and two gigs of data a month. Now that's enough for somewhere more than half of American cell phone users. And you got a $15 a month bill. With Unreal Mobile, at 10 a month, you get unlimited talk, unlimited text, and one gig of data a month. At 15, it matches up with the Mint Mobile with the two gigs of data. All right, Clark. And Mick wrote in, he says, you always mention getting your student a credit card when they turn 21. How are they supposed to handle money in college up until they turn 21? What a wonderful question. And so there's, depending on the maturity of your child who's in college, you can make them an authorized user on one of your cards and give them the actual plastic. And that will be a method they can pay with. If you know that your child is not the most mature or responsible necessarily, they haven't matured into that yet, it's still good to make them an authorized user on one of your cards. So they build up a credit history. Most people who are authorized users the credit card company reports to the credit bureau, so you start developing that history and a score. And in that case, just get them a prepaid card or a debit card, as much as I'm not really a fan of debit cards. That would be the easiest way to give them the ability to walk around and have access to money. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 